Hello and welcome to the Disruptors podcast. It's producer Harry here to introduce, without a doubt, the most crazy episode we have ever produced. Me and Rob flew all the way to Dubai to interview the most controversial and hated, polarizing man on the planet, Andrew Tate. The conversation gets heated and Rob challenges Andrew on many different points. Honestly, there is so much to cover in this. I don't want to spoil anything. There's going to be more episodes to follow this, so just get ready. Let's just get straight into this epic, open, raw conversation with the most hated man on the planet, Andrew Tate. But remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Andrew, who runs the world? That's a very good question. Uh, and it's the first question. <laughs> so let me, let me answer the best I can. I believe that, of course, stating the obvious, powerful people run the world. I believe that powerful people try their very best to inflict their worldview and their goals and desires on the general populace. I think an easy way to think of it is that if you had a company, let's say you had a small company with four to five employees, you wouldn't hire any employee that didn't agree with you or didn't listen to you or didn't think like you. If you said, I want you to do this, and they said no, then you'd fire them, right? So if you can extrapolate that out, make it much larger and understand that these people have companies with millions of people or they own countries. They want people to comply. And uh, the reason people have to comply with them is because these people own all the important resource, they own all the important land, they print the money, they own the media, they own the information, and they want to make sure that everybody agrees with them and complies with them. So they have tried very hard to damage the human psyche to the point where we are now completely empty and open for all forms of slave programming. They tried to convince us to ignore our own eyes and our own ears. They convince you to look at somebody and not be sure what gender they are, or to look around you and pretend you're in a pandemic when everything is fine. They convince you that your own brain is the enemy and that you must just only consume what you are told. Because once they do that, once they can convince you to do something as crazy as ignore your own eyes, then they can, simply slot in any USB stick of slave programming at random, whatever they want you to currently believe, whether it's to believe this particular war is a good idea, or staying in your house and destroying your own business is a good idea, or gassing X amount of the population because they're a different religion is a good idea. That's how it works. So the people who are in charge of the world, whatever they want to do, they want to make sure everybody complies and listens to them, which is, to, which is normal human nature. I'm not going to say they're that I'm any better than these people. I have 100 people who work for me and I want them all to listen. So that's what happens when you get that big. And yeah, they don't want anybody's morals or religion or point of view standing in the way. They just want you to comply. And who is they? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Even if I knew all their names, I wouldn't say it here. <laughs> but uh, Why wouldn't you say it here? I wouldn't say it here because they've already given me quite a few warnings. And I'm now at the point where I actually truly believe they're going to try and kill me. I, I, so I, you've had messages from people I, trying to control you who you think would kill you. I understand that you get three strikes in this game. Strike one is they try and shut you up and discredit you, which I've just been through. Strike two is they try and put you in jail for no reason. And strike three is they kill you. And one of my strikes is now gone. And I now firmly believe that they're going to try and kill me because they want me to be quiet and I'm not being quiet. And I have huge amounts of influence, which is what they're scared of. 
because influence is what the whole life, influence is what the world is about, right? If you send soldiers to a country to die, if you have literally a pitched battle on any country on the planet with tanks and planes and people are dying, that's only to control the ground so you can influence it. Like all of that is for influence. The media is for influence. What they tell people to believe, the mindsets they want you to adopt is so they can influence you. So when somebody like me comes along who has a mass amount of influence and it's going in a direction they're contrary to, they sit and go, wow, this is a big problem from one person. And people have car accidents, people get robbed, people get shot. And that's the unfortunate reality of human nature. When you are a very large problem for very powerful people, they look for quick solutions and the easiest solutions to kill me. And I think it's going to get there if I'm not extremely careful. So yeah, it, 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 they dislike me not just because of what I say, because everybody knows what I say is true, but because of the huge amount of influence I have and also the influence I have over the one demographic they're most fearful of, which are the young military age males. They're the demographic that they need to keep under control the most because those are the ones who will lead a revolution. Those are the ones who are naturally rebellious. Those are the ones you need to fight in your armies. Those are the ones you need to be the backbone of the slave force and build the roads for uh, a shit wage. Those are the ones you need to sit in a sexless marriage and raise kids while they're depressed and turn up and pay their taxes anyway. That demographic is the backbone of the economy, of the defense of a, of a nation. They're the number one enemy to the state if they decide to get in a big group together. Like, I don't want to be misogynistic. I've been accused of it enough. But if 100,000 women get in one place and complain, it's inconvenient. If 100,000 men get in one place and complain, it's a revolution. So they're scared of men free thinking. And they're scared of young men free thinking. And my fans are young military age males. And I teach them to free think. So they look at me and they literally see me as a threat to the world. And that's why I think they're going to try and kill me. So you said you now have to be careful. So what are you changing about what you're doing to not get killed? I'm as perspicacious as I can be. What does that mean? <laughs> perspicacious is the ability to perceive, perceptive. Right. Yeah. I'm as perspicacious as I can be, but I'm also very understanding that if they want me, they're going to get me. It's an unfortunate reality. You, 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 it's, it's very easy to kill people, especially at their level, right? If they want me, they're going to get me. All I'm doing is trying to stay true to myself, stay true to God, because I truly believe this is a battle of good versus evil, and say the things I know need to be said in a way which is respectful enough and important enough um, so that the powers that be decide that I, it's okay if I, if I stay alive. But if they decide the opposite, then there's very little I can do about it. And uh, of course, I have a 10-man security team, everyone's armed, I carry a weapon, like, et cetera, et cetera. But if they want you, going to get you that's the game so it's it's kind of people often say to me well then andrew why do you do this why do you talk and i i really believe we're living in a pivotal point in history as ai gets better as technology gets better as they get more and more control over the money and the way people think and the way people move i think that absolute slavery and tyranny is coming to the entire wor world i think our children's children will live as slaves i think the idea of social mobility will be absolutely not destroyed you're going to be born into a class and that's where you're going to belong and stay if you say the wrong thing or think the wrong thing, you're going to be punished for it. And I think this is one of our last chances to fight. And I think it's a battle of good versus evil. It's genuinely God against the demons. And I know that I'm on the side of God and I'm a strictly religious person. And I couldn't live with myself if I didn't talk. And if God decides that I have to be martyred for that, then that's his decision. So it's, it's unfortunate, but that's what happens when you have mass amounts of influence. Why 
Why, and this is a question to you, if you had control of the world and you spent huge resource and energy on media machines to make people think a certain way, and somebody like me came along and made everybody not listen, would you like that person? Would you want that person to continue to talk? What if, that, what if you tried to go to him and say, listen, shut up, we've warned you now, and he wouldn't shut up, what would you do? Well, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'd probably try and collaborate with you. <laughs> but and, and, they're and, not entrepreneurial at that level, are but they? But even if they try and collaborate with me, and that's actually an interesting topic because I've had strange offers, let's put it that way, I won't sell my soul. A lot of people do, right? What Most, does sell your soul mean? It means that you sign a piece of paper and you shut up. Right. For X amount of money yeah. or X amount of influence, whatever. Yeah, by collaborate, I don't mean pay you and shut you up. I mean, let's do some business together. Let's change the world. Completely, but they don't. the way they want to change the world is not the way I will ever allow them to try and change the world. I don't agree with what they're doing. I think what they're doing is anti-humanist. I think what they're doing is truly evil. And I won't sell my soul. They can't convince me to sit and tell the children what they want the children to believe. And normally when you sign a contract and you become a music star or a sports star or whatever, you shut up because you have sponsors, you have mm. money, you can get canceled, etc. You have to be quiet. And I'm not in that position. So they try and get a degree of leverage over you. I've had very strange offers. Can you share any of them? I had friend, I had f phone numbers appear from nowhere, uh, WhatsApp conversations. I'd have no idea who this person was or how they got my number, inviting me to very private parties in very private places. Um, I had my own phone calls played back to me. I, I've answered the phone before, and it's a recording of me on the phone, and that's all it is. Wow. Um, and I probably shouldn't say these things on YouTube, but this is the reality of the world I'm not living in. So yeah, there's, there's, there's things that have happened that have been like, Andrew, you better shut up. But I don't think I'm actually saying anything that's detrimental, and, and if this is watched by anybody influential, all I'm trying to do is teach men to be true to themselves and, and be true to the power that's inside of them, God-given. And I think that the world will always be a better place in the end that way. And I, I'm also very understanding that societies to a degree need to be controlled. Obviously, you can't have every secret out there in the open. But I think that the direction that the West is going especially is, is truly evil. And I think that somebody needs to stand up and talk, talk about it. I think the things they're trying to convince people to believe and do are not the way that God wanted us to live. And where's this come from, this tyranny and this future slavery? Well, I think power is always going to corrupt. No matter how good the person, I, I can give you a million examples, right? So I, I know nice guys, and they're genuinely a nice guy. And they get a girlfriend who's completely in love with them, and the girl will do anything for them. No matter how nice that man is, they end up just being a bit of a dickhead to her, because she'll just take it. It's just what happens. Power corrupts people. Like we're, we're not perfect creatures. And I think when you start getting mass amounts of influence and power, it's very normal and natural to get to a point where you just want to be completely and utterly obeyed. And also there's a huge ego trip. And I, when I say ego, people think, oh, that's a bit of a juvenile way to boil down the world. But I don't think it is. I think that if you're born into a billionaire family and your family's been important since the dawn of human time, that you get a massive ego trip from people complying. And people not complying is a big deal to you, right? You're, you're king. Look at the olden days. If you looked at the king wrong, you'd chop your head off, right? So if you sit and if you come along and give some ridiculous rule, let me make up a, a fake scenario. Let me make up something totally ridiculous. Let's imagine that everyone was suddenly afraid of the common cold. And let's imagine we told people to wear a mask when they walk in a restaurant, sit down, take it off, eat. 
put it back on to stand up and go toilet, come back, take it off to eat to save lives. Let's just do some hypothetical, right? Everybody knows there's no medical backing for that. Everybody knows that's absolutely ridiculous. So why would you do that? Well, you do that to, to force people to comply so you can sit around and go, that's it. That, that, what else is going to make somebody at that level happy besides an ego trip? You think money's going to make them happy? You think you can buy a Ferrari and smile? These people print money. They're above money, right? And they believe, well, I won't say quite rightly, but I understand why they believe it, that they're better than everybody else. They believe that they're literally a different species than everybody else. We're peasants. We're ants. We're, we're nothing to these people. So if they tell you to do something, you better do it. So if you stand up and say, that's dumb, then they go, whoa, 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 who's the big mouth? Oh, this ant's smart. And they'll find a way to check you. And uh, if you're an ant that stands up and then a whole bunch of other ants stand up with you, well, that's, that's where the problems come, right? That's why they got Socrates. You know why Socrates died? I'd love to, I'd love to hear. He, he was arrested and he ended up poisoning himself and killing himself because they were going to execute him. And he was arrested for corrupting the youth because he was convincing the youth to think about not joining the military because the wars were pointless. So corrupting the youth is why Socrates died. If you make the youth think, you're an enemy to the establishment. It's always been the same. Do you not go to bed at night sometimes and shit yourself? <laughs> I'm, yes. <laughs> yes. But... At this point, I've now made a decision to stand true to my morals and stand true to God and genuinely be a force of, of good for the world and genuinely try to make people do good things to other people. And if, if I'm not going to stop doing that. So if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It's like being in a plane crash. What, you, what can you do? The plane's going down. What, what are you going to do about it? You can scream and be a girl about it, but the plane's still going to crash. So it's kind of not defeatist. It's kind of like you come to terms with the scenario. Am I going to sell my soul and live longer and have less of an impact on the world and know that I'm aiding the devil in its intentions? Or am I going to live a shorter amount of time and do my absolute best to be a positive force for the world and be remembered as such? Um, and I think that God will reward me for that. So it's just you come to terms with the reality that there are enemies too powerful to fight and there's nothing you can do. Hi, it's Rob again. And remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Have you yet joined the Rob.team platform? You can join on Facebook or on my native Rob.team membership area. For just £5 or $5 a month, cancel any time. You get 10 pieces of premium content from me a month. Supporter and team only events, meetups and social dinners. Supporter only ask me anything lives with me every two weeks. About five or six, uh, seven day challenges a year. Make cash challenges social media challenges, competitions and prizes. You get discounts and premium ticket upgrades to special events we run. Many of those are supporter only. You get content updates from my three Facebook account managers um, on Instagram and Facebook uh, changes and hacks. You get recordings of all webinars and live stream content I do, which I don't offer out to the public. You get an extra 10% of any and all of my trainings, even the best discounts. You also, if you're one of the first 60 people to go to www.rob.team, get a 15-minute one-to-one call with me. And once you've done your first month subscription, I'll be doing those in order. And if you're one of the first 256 people, you get into a supporters team-only WhatsApp uh, group. You get my mobile number and we share strategies and tactics. You also get bonuses updated every two weeks, things like how to write a best-selling book course already in there. 
um, all my marketing KPIs that you can use to measure and master your business, how to dramatically increase your fees, um, pre-book PDF documents, my six-stage seven-figure launch course, which was a previously paid-for course for about 500 people online. So you get all that updated regularly. Go right now to www.rob.team. See you there and you can join either on Facebook if, you're, if that's your social media platform of choice or on the specially uniquely built platform that I have created just for you. I think you're going to love it. www.rob.ting So you said that a lot of influence and power can create ego. You... I didn't say it can create ego. I said, it, I said these people are absolutely and utterly deeply egotistical to a level that an average person can't possibly understand. Wow. Okay. So has your power created that in you? Completely. I'm but when no, I met you, you were really nice and humble and we were chatting. And, you, and so would they be, right? But if I had an employee and I said, do this, and they said, I ain't doing that. I'm like, well, then you're fucking fired. Oh, but I have to pay a mortgage. Don't care. Bye. I, I can turn ruthless just like anybody else, right? Well, a you're lot of people can't, can they? Well, but you don't become powerful if you, if you can't be ruthless. Yeah, yeah. This is the unfortunate reality is the people who become most powerful in the world are the people who have the capability to be ruthless. This is what it is. Power is only attractive to people who want to yield it. Why would you want power if you're not going to wield it? Why would you want a sword if you never take it out, right? If I give, you, give a friend, you give a guy a gun, he's going to, he doesn't want to shoot you when he'll wave it around a bit. He's just going to put it in the drawer and close it and never touch it again, right? So the people in life who never try to become powerful, maybe they're the ones who can sit and say, I wouldn't do that, well, but you're never going to be powerful, so who cares? The people who aim for power and, and crave power, they crave it to use it, right? And I'm not saying that I'm any better than these people who are in charge of the world. I'm sitting saying this is human nature to a degree. I try my very best to live true to God, and I know that I try and uh, do good things. But the people who are in charge of the world perhaps believe that their ideas are good. They're, they're opposite to mine, right? So they may have the idea that we should teach children about sex at three years old. I believe we should leave the children alone. They believe their idea is good. I believe my idea is good. And if I was in charge of the world and somebody tried to do the opposite idea, teach children about sex at three years old, I'd be the one saying, absolutely no, shut them up. I'd do the same thing. Do you understand? So I'm no better than these people. We're all human. I just truly believe that my views are better than theirs. But they believe the same the opposite way around. And that's what's so difficult about it. That's what's so sad about the world. If you look at any war, it's never good guy versus bad guy. Everyone has their opinions, right? But it's always a, 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 a gray mess of some guy's got a good point, the other guy's kind of got a good point, everyone's half good, half bad, and that's the unfortunate reality of Earth. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, it's a strange one, but I, I absolutely, completely will sit here and say, yes, if I had absolute power, then I would, I would wield it completely, just like they are. I, I get it. Mm. I get it. And that's why I know they want me gone, because I know how they, I know what happens when you're a, a powerful person and, and someone keeps poking you. I know what happens. And I, all, I know that not only from this world, I know it from the underworld. I've had a very long and interesting life. Pre, in a previous incarnation, I was involved in some shady things. And Are you talking about another life before your own life? Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, so not in the 35 years you've been here, another life? For legal reasons, let's say another life. Okay. And I've been in rooms with people who sit around and say, this guy's a problem. As in they're talking about you? Or no, no, I've been in the room and we're talking about somebody else. Right. This guy's a problem. In another life. In another life. Yeah. And, and, and the problem gets fixed. This is natural. As in the person goes away. One way or another. 
Hey, so are you talking like, is this like what might have happened to Diana, this kind of thing? Is this what you're saying? I'm talking about, okay, let's take a hypothetical again. Let's say you have five drug dealers in a room and a drug dealer keeps robbing them. What are they going to do? They're going to get robbed forever. We'll say, no, this is a problem. How do we fix this problem? Well, we've tried to talk to him. He won't talk. He's unreasonable. Okay, get rid of him. <laughs> that's business. That's life, right? Well, it's, it's not business. Is it, well, it? it's that business. <laughs> yeah, but, and, yeah. and I'm saying that even from the bottom levels of the socioeconomic scale all the way to the top levels of the socioeconomic scale, it comes a, there becomes a point where the only solution to the problem is violence. Most people don't understand that the entire world we live in is absolutely or not really violent. I see violence everywhere. If I see a big tree, I don't think, oh, wow, that's a big, beautiful tree. I sit and go, that tree destroyed every tree anywhere near it. Its root system is two miles long. It's been kicking trees' asses for a hundred years. That is a badass tree, right? It's a violent tree. And every single thing about civilized societies underpinned on violence. The idea that violence will eventually appear is the only reason any of this works. If I drive through Dubai too fast, the camera will go off and I'll get a speeding ticket. If I ignore the speeding ticket, they'll add money to the speeding ticket. If I don't pay that, they'll send a bailiff. If I tell him to get fucked, they'll send the police. If I tell them to get fucked, they'll arrest me. If I refuse, violence. It doesn't matter what law, what tax code, what any anything you can think of. If you disobey long enough, it comes back to the bottom line. The bottom line is always violence. So if you talk to somebody and they don't listen, if you try and reason with somebody, they won't listen. You try and bribe someone, they won't take it. It gets to a point where there's one answer left. Well, then teach them a lesson. And, and most people don't understand this about the world. And I was having a conversation with a, a woman once. She said she was a pacifist. And I had to correct her. And I said, you're absolutely not, not a pacifist. You may be incapable of violence because you're a female, but you believe in violence. Because if I were to attack you, you'd call the police. And you want violence by proxy to protect you. You believe in violence because you believe in law and order. You can't be a pacifist amongst savagery, right? You, you like the idea of living in society. You like the idea of your house being yours. Well, why is it yours? It's yours because it's enforced by a legal contract that the government will enforce with a police force, with violence. The whole world's violent. Everything's violent. So I don't think most people understand and realize that you're saying it's not business when I say that drug dealers are violent. I completely and utterly disagree. It is business. If a company sues another company and they owe a bunch of money and they don't pay it, we can go down the same route. Guess what happens in the end? They end up taking the CEO's house. He doesn't want to give it up. They send a police officers around and said, you were due to get evicted today. I ain't leaving. Guess what? Violence. Business is violence. Life is violence. It's all violence. We put a nice little happy sugar coat on top of it. But that's the truth of the world. How did you learn all this? That's a good question. <laughs> I've had an interesting life. And yeah, well, I, we flew out here for you, so we've got all day to listen yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, I've I've had an interesting life, and and I think the only way you learn lessons in life are the hard way or the harder way. I think that humans are terrible at learning lessons easily. You will see somebody make the same mistake a hundred times until that one time it really hurts. That's just how we are. And God's been quite nice to me by teaching me the hard lessons quickly. He didn't give me any chances to learn slowly. He came at me hard and fast and instantly. So I learned things very quick. <laughs> so I learned the reality of a lot of scenarios and how the world works very, very quickly because I never had any of those in-betweens, you know? Have you got a specific hard lesson? Quick, hard, brutal? 
I have a few, yeah. Uh, but but I think everything I say, all of my answers are are based on my life. I, I don't want to. There's some things I don't want to say on camera, but anything I'm saying is based on a scenario that I've lived through. I don't read books. I'm not a book reader. I don't consume content. I don't watch videos. I don't watch anybody else's things. Every single word out of my mouth is just a reality I've lived, uh, walking around day to day. And I philosophize it in my own mind. I absorb it and I come to my conclusions. And my conclusions seem to be pretty accurate for two reasons. One, it's maybe the most Googled man on the planet. And two- How many searches? I was trying to find out. I was trying to Google how many Google searches yeah, yeah. are on Andrew Tate. At the height of the media attack, I was the most Google man on the planet. I don't know how many. More than Alec Baldwin, more than Will Smith. More than Donald Trump, more than Putin in the middle of this war, more than Joe Biden, more than the Kardashians, more than everyone else was Google man on the planet. So that's one reason I know that my conclusions are accurate. But the other reason I know my conclusions are accurate is because when you make a conclusion or you come to build a mental model in your mind, the idea of having it is to be able to predict the future. There's no point in constructing a mental model that doesn't allow you to predict the future. If I pick this bottle up, I know if I drop it, if I let go, it's going to fall. Because every other time I did that, it fell, right? My mind has told me if you drop things, if you let go of them, they're going to fall to the ground. It allows me to predict the future. If I couldn't predict the future with my mental model, if my mental model believes something else, then I'd make a bunch of mistakes. I predicted the future completely and utterly accurately my entire life. I know that I'm right because the way I think allows me to be correct in every scenario I've ever been in. I know when someone's going to hurt me. I know when my time's almost up. I know how to make a bunch of money. I know when I know all of it. I've never been wrong about anything. So for someone to come along and try and convince me that my mental model and my way of viewing the world is inaccurate, it's going to be extremely difficult because I'm going to sit and say, well, my mental model produces X to this accuracy and you're a dumbass. So <laughs> what can you predict, my friend? And, and that's the reality of the world. So my, my stories are being told, the lessons of the Middle East, when I'm speaking. What are the lessons of the Middle East? No, no, the lessons of the stories. You asked me a story and I'm right. saying I won't tell the story, but the lessons, the lessons are being told. Okay. Andrew, are you misunderstood? That's a good question. I want to answer. That was my original question one, by the way. I want to answer as a professional. Yes, I am misunderstood. I'm misunderstood because the things I say are a large web of nuance and they're interlinked. And if you take one individual part from the web, then completely I understand how some things can be massively misunderstood. I also understand that most people have no interest in the truth and no interest in digging deeper and finding out the truth about a person or a scenario. I think that, let's, let's tie this back to the conversation we just had. If you take a small subsect of society, let's say mass murderers, you'd assume all of society is bad. But when you interlink it and understand it well, societal as a whole, the world's not such a bad place. I think that's the same for all people. I'm certainly one of those people. Uh, and I think that my ideas, when they're properly explained and completely digested head to toe, very rarely, if at all, ever get a negative reaction. The people who misunderstand me so, fervor uh, so feverishly are people who have never even bothered to genuinely understand me at all. I know this because there's actually a very famous TikTok account. Some guy, he walks around college campuses in America and he says, have you heard of Andrew Tate? The girl goes, yeah. Do you like him? No, I hate him. Why? He's a misogynist. What does misogynist mean? Whatever. 
and they just walk <laughs> off. Whatever. So they, and, and it's different versions of that same conversation. What has he said that's misogynistic? Well, he hates women. No, no, no. What did he say? And this is, this is what we're, it's amazing how the conversation interlaces, right? What did I say at the beginning? The slave programming, the empty mind. Andrew is misogynistic. People who are going to walk through earth and repeat that, they have no evidence. They have no proof. They can't tell you why. When you challenge them on it, they get angry because it's been installed in their brain because they're dummies. And when a dummy, you remove and you empty their brain, you install the new programming, they instantly get enraged when they realize their brain short circuits. Explain why you feel how you feel. They can't. And then they have a breakdown. And this is the true height of the slave mind. If you can convince somebody to have a strong emotional reaction about a subject they don't even understand, imagine the level of slave these people are. Imagine if every time you saw the color red, you just lost your mind. You're a slave. You're controlled. And all the people who dislike me, because none of them can even tell you why, are slaves to the matrix. They belong to the machines. They've had all of their morality and all of their own thoughts completely and utterly erased. They've installed the new program. First it was COVID or whatever it was. Now it's Andrew, Slava Ukraine, goes on and on, whatever the new fucking story is. Andrew's the enemy right now. And they don't even know why they feel how they feel. And there is a large percentage of the population walking through earth now with opinions that they will fight to the death for. And they don't even know where it came from. And they don't even know why they believe it. <laughs> they don't, and it doesn't even benefit them. This is the miracle of it. If you have one of these opinions that you really defend, but it benefits your life, I get it. Like, let's take an extreme opinion. Let's say you're the Taliban, right? You have extreme opinions. But those opinions allow you to live life in a particular way. You'll fight to defend those opinions. But if your opinion is, I hate Andrew Tate, your life is no better. You don't gain anything. Your reality doesn't change. But you're still prepared to fight for that opinion. You're a slave. Hmm. And most of the people who dislike me, in fact, let me correct myself, everybody who dislikes me is slave-minded. And it is still a minority. 90% of comments on my videos are positive. But there's 10% slave minds who no matter what evidence you show them of me talking good about women or my charitable donations, which rack up to the tens of millions of dollars, or the foundations I run, or the orphanage I built, or all the people's lives I've saved when I reply to men who are suicidal and men's mental health, which I'm working with closely, no matter what you show them, their only reply is, but he's bad. And they won't tell you why. And this is just the slave mind. You can't reason with the slaves because they've been programmed. So you mentioned the underworld and the matrix. What is that? Have you seen the movie? Yeah. Damn straight. Yeah, good movie. <laughs> so in the movie, The Matrix, your body heat is being salvaged. And to keep your mind occupied, you're living inside of a false reality, computer generated. The reason I think we live in a matrix now is because I think the same thing is happening. Perhaps it's not our body heat, perhaps it's our, our work, our ideas, but they're being salvaged and the reality they've given us to occupy our brains is false. We don't live in a real world. We are living in a reality where we're told stories and narratives that aren't true, where they try very hard to distract us with garbage. Rihanna, I have nothing against Rihanna, like I don't know her, but when I see a concert and I see hundreds of thousands of peons 
standing amongst peons. you. Peons. What are they? Peons. It's the people who go to these concerts. Right. Peon means peasant. Standing at, because this and, is an education in language. No, but <laughs> but they are peasants because they're acting in a peasant peasant way. They're acting like peasants. Hundreds of thousands of people in a crowd, looking up at somebody like their god, jumping up and down for hours on end. You're a peasant. You're a peasant, and your life's shit, and you have no achievements, no money. You're depressed, but you're distracted. They've distracted you with this idol, whoever it happens to be. Put them there, and the peasants like, yeah, it's, and then they go home, and they're told something by the news. Let's again, let's make up a completely false scenario. Be afraid of the common cold, okay? And then anyone who comes back and says, why are we afraid of the common cold? They delete their point of view. They shut them up to create a false reality. So people are living a life where they're working a job, they're being enslaved by the machines for their tasks, but their mind. Is distracted by garbage, and only fed a fake story, and they're living inside of a computer-generated simulation. They're living inside of a world that is not real. They don't live in a real world. A lot of people live inside of the matrix completely, especially the people who dislike me. And how do you get out of this simulation and into whatever the real world is? And what is the real world? Well, that's actually an amazing plug for something I'm launching called the Real World. Can you shout it out? Sure. On. I'm not sure exactly when this podcast will release, but in less than 30 days, I'm launching something called the Real World. The Real World is a evolution of my university, in which I taught people how to make money. That's Hustlers University. Hustlers University. Yeah, it's an evolution of that. We've now moved beyond anything that's matrix-controlled. So Hustlers University used a normal bank for payment processing, and we had、uh, Amazon cloud servers to teach all of our lessons. We taught 18 modern wealth creation methods because making money is actually exceptionally easy. It's one thing I've always been very good at. And I don't think it's difficult. And money is the key to beginning to escape. So we had Hustlers University. They attacked it when they attacked the Matrix. So now we've started our own banks. We have our own banking license. We have our own payment processing. We have our own data center deep in a mountain. Was that because it all got taken off you when you were cancelled? It's because they were attacking it. Right. So we built all the infrastructure ourselves. So you're decentralized. Completely. So it can't be attacked anymore. And that's the real world. And we can teach people how to make money. And the reason I teach people how to make money is because money is stage one to escaping the matrix. You can't think for yourself and talk the things you believe if you need that wage, and that person tells you to shut up. You can't. The reason everyone wore the mask is because they had to pay their mortgage, or their wife told them to, <laughs> or their wife told them to. That's right. Yeah. So if if you need breadcrumbs and you're a starving man. You can't really talk to the guy who has all the bread and tell him to get fucked.、Right? So the first thing you do when someone says to me, "I want to escape the matrix," I think for myself is, "Okay, then you need to be prepared financially. You need money to go to war." So the first thing I do is I teach anybody who's a fan of mine to make as much money as possible, and I don't do that to make money. In fact, the school is ridiculously cheap. It's it's so cheap. It's less than a lunch. You can find out more on CorporateDate.com. But the reason I do what it was, is what was the link again? Cobratate.com. Right. But anybody who is a fan of mine, I want those people to be as wealthy as possible because they agree with my mindset, and they need. I want to equip my my soldiers. I don't want everyone who agrees with me to be an unimportant brokey. I want the people who agree with me to be influential and rich, and I want them to be able to stand up and talk and fight for themselves. So this is the reason I teach people how to make money because I know anybody who resonates with my message, the wealthier they get. The better the war is going to be for me, 
So I wouldn't consider it philanthropic. I have an agenda, but my agenda is to find anybody who agrees with me and give them as much money as possible. So that's the real world, which is launching on corporatetech.com because that's stage one. You're asking how to escape. Stage one is you must make money. I've, I've tried very hard to help people with no money, but there's just too many blocks in the way. You just, you can't put that on social media and you can't afford a day off work. You, you can't afford your boss to get mad. You can't afford to get arrested. You can't get a lawyer. You can't, you can't fight. Mm. You can't fight. You need bullets and you're gone. So stage one is to get rich. Then you have to get rich while preserving your soul. And that's a harder part, right? Because as you get rich, as you climb, there are many different hands trying to drag you in different directions. He says, looking at me over his glasses. <laughs> you have women gambling, drugs, degeneracy, hedonism. Isn't you that have, why you have money? <laughs> well, this is it. And you can dabble, yeah. but you certainly don't want to lose your soul completely. Yeah. You have large business interests offering more money, more power to believe X, to say X. I can sit here and say now, I have never sold a scam to anybody. I don't sell crypto pump and dumps to anybody. I don't sell soft drinks full of sugar to anybody. I don't convince, I don't, I've been offered money by gambling companies. I said, no, I only thing I teach is how is teach people how to make money. And I know it works because I do it all myself. Me and my professors teach what we already do to all become multimillionaires <coughs> to people. And I've told the reason why they've tried to get me to sell my soul, to sell crap to the world endless times. And I've never done it. So you have these offers, right? When you're the most Googled man on the planet, do you have any idea how much they'll pay you to sell bollocks to people? This, yeah, Andrew, hey, here, this, this, this energy drink, say it's what you take to have high energy and sell this shit full of sugar to children and there's $100 million. No, I won't do it. I don't believe in it. I won't do it. So then you have to keep your moral fiber and, and stay principled, which is another battle. But if you manage to make money and stay true to your own moral fibers and principles and stay perspicacious, word of the day, keep paying attention to the world and actually keep your eyes open and look around, then you'll naturally escape the matrix. It's natural for the human mind. It's natural human evolution for us to spiritually escape the enslavement because the enslavement is from man, but our enlightenment is from God. It is natural for us if you get rich enough to say no to ideas that you understand are innately wrong, if you get rich enough to have a different opinion, if you pay a lot of attention and you resist all of the temptations of the devil, the only possible end state is to escape the matrix. It's an easy trajectory. Most people fall off because they're too broke to think. You're too poor to have an opinion, so you're too poor to think. The rest fall off because they get a little bit rich and they get snapped up. But anybody who doesn't fall for those two traps ends up where I am. And there are a lot of us. And where are you? I am in a stage of enlightenment outside of the matrix. I'm like Morpheus. I, I, <laughs> I come in and out. I come back into the matrix. I come to YouTube. I talk to people whose minds are ready to be freed. I convince them to join the real world at Cobratech.com and begin their journey. And I take the free minds and we escape the matrix together. This is why for a long time on Twitter, I had an account called Morpheus. I was Morpheus because that's what I kept getting compared to. I, I come in and out trying to free the minds. And I hope I find Neo. I hope I find somebody who's even better at attacking the matrix than I am. All I'm trying to do is talk to the people who understand what I'm saying is right. When I say these things, there are gonna be certain amounts of people who listen to this and think I'm crazy. He's crazy. And there's gonna be people who listen to it and go, yes, finally, he's 
Finally, I understand. Finally, I know what to do. I've felt this for so long. I've looked around me and knew that this shouldn't be my life. I knew that they're lying to me. I didn't know what to do. Now he's told me what to do. Those are the ones I'm interested in. And they can join the real world inside of corporatetape.com. I'll see them there. Anybody who thinks I'm crazy, that's fine. I'm crazy. Don't worry about me. I'm a crazy misogynist. The news has never lied to anybody. All Every war ever started, the reason the news told you, that's why it started. It's not like every single one's been a false flag since the beginning. Every single narrative that they've tried to purport upon you is not to control you. It's because they want you to know the truth because you're so important. Don't worry. So the media's lying about me. They must be right. Why would they lie? Why would they try and convince people that the world's most influential man is somehow bad? Is it, it's not because, you know, they're worried he has influence and might push the world in a good direction. Of course not. No, it's because he's such a bad guy. That's why he has no criminal record. No girls come forward saying I've done anything to anybody. No victims of any kind. And somehow I'm evil. And the people who believe this garbage are slave-minded. They're slave-minded. It's, it's the most common tactic in the world. First, they insult your character and, uh, and attack you. It's stage one of the three, stage, three stages. They attack you, your character, and cancel you. They put you in jail for something you did not do. And the last is they kill you. And I'll make it very clear here. I would never kill myself under any circumstances ever, ever. And if I like to think that if anybody sees a media article where I've been locked up for whatever it is, they're going to look at it and go, this is bullshit. Tate didn't do that. With the scrutiny I'm under, does anyone think I'm breaking the law? I'm the most scrutinized man on the planet. Like, if I was breaking laws, I'd be in jail. Trust me. I drive at the speed limit, my friend. <laughs> That's the level it's got to. Mm. Like they don't they think I'm out here doing bad things. So when they when the article comes out saying Tate did this, I I just pray there's enough people who are outside of the matrix to sit and go, this is some bullshit. And he doesn't deserve this, because I don't deserve it, because I will be innocent. What is enlightenment? I think that enlightenment is always being able to use your own emotions to your advantage. Every single time I've been furiously angry or even in a murderous rage, it's been a very appropriate time to be so. And I don't mean appropriate because of the reasoning. I'm not saying I had a good reason to be angry. I'm saying that it was the best decision at the time. Every time I've ever been truly sad, again, it was beneficial for me to feel that way. There are times in life where, while there are times in life when murderous rage is the is the best possible option on the table. Like there time, when? Well, there are times in life where, if you're genuinely threatened, the best possible emotion you can feel is murderous rage. Right? There's times when it's appropriate. There's times when it's good to be sad, and there's times when it's good to be empathetic, and there's times when it's good to be ruthlessly psychopathically cold. So I think enlightenment is making sure that your brain and soul and spirit are trained in a way that the emotions you feel at any given time are the best possible card in the deck of all the options you have in the playbook. Depending on the scenario, your own spirit gives you the exact perfect way to feel to handle that scenario in the most effective and compendious way possible. Is that like almost taking a step above those emotions and observing those emotions and using them in, in a second that's, stage awareness? That's a good question. And, and I would say that's semi-enlightenment. Right. There was a point where, yes, I'd get furiously angry and I could see myself from the outside and it was conscious. 
But when you actually reach true enlightenment, you don't have to be conscious of it and you don't have to observe yourself from the outside. You just feel what you're supposed to feel at the exact right time all of the time. Mm. And you're absolutely engrossed by it and completely. Mm. I've never been murderously angry or that was not the best chance of me handling that scenario to my advantage. Mm. And I've never been in any other emotional state where it wasn't the best possible move. When I think back outside of the emotional experience itself and think, could I have felt a different way and would that have allowed me to act in a different way that would have helped me more? The answer is always no. The way I felt allowed me to do exactly what I had to do. And yes, there was a point when that was semi-conscious and now it's not conscious at all. If I start to feel angry, it's not conscious. I am angry completely and utterly and I trust my body and my spirit that I'm supposed to be angry and I'm supposed to act within that frame. And uh, that's what true enlightenment is because thinking outside of it and being conscious of it is good, but it takes time. And often in the most extreme scenarios of life, the one thing you will not have is very much time. There has to be instant and complete decisions and there has to be uh, final scenarios, final, what's the word I'm looking for, consequences. Is that something you trained yourself to do? I think that life's trained me to be that way. This is what happens when you've had a varied enough life. I, I talk often about the importance of, of trauma as a man. I think that if you were to find the most interesting or most capable men on the planet, they've had the most trauma-filled lives. I, I just think that trauma is what teaches you. We talked earlier about how you have to have lessons taught to you the hardest way. If I were to, if you were to call a Navy SEAL and ask him to protect you going into a building full of assailants, you'd like to think that guy's been through some stuff. You'd like to see some scars, right? Mm. You wouldn't want Mr. Freshface to turn up. <laughs> this is the reason why we instinctively don't trust youth. Because you look at a kid, if a, if a wealth manager walks in and he's 18, you're like, oh, you, you don't know about life. Nothing's hurt you yet. That's why we trust age. That's why they say that wisdom must be, you must grow into wisdom. You can't just pick it up, right? Trust your elders, listen to your elders, etc. These are age-old ways of thinking. So lessons and trauma and the more you go through, the better of a man you are. And if you were to find the best men on the planet, I guarantee they've been through a bunch of terrible things. Uh, and if you listen to podcasts from any of the most interesting people on the planet, usually they've been through, they've had hard, terrible lives. And you can use that trauma to become a better person or you can let that trauma consume you and destroy you. But I thank God for all of it because it gave me endless power to become the person I am. If, you, if, you're, truly, if you're truly angry or truly unhappy, then you can't sleep. And if you can't sleep, then you get twice as many hours as everybody else to become monumentally successful. So it's an, there's advantages. <laughs> there's advantages to difficult things. Mm. And what is the biggest trauma that's taught you the most? It's, it's I, I have a, you know, I've, I've thought long and hard about which stories I'm prepared to share on social media, which ones I'm not. And that line's getting more and more blurred. I'm starting to give more and more away. Um, and there's certain things I don't want to say. And I'm certainly not looking for any degree of sympathy because, like I said, I am glad for everything that happened to me. I wouldn't change a thing. I thank God for all of it. So tr truthfully, I think I've been, I'm lucky I've been blessed. The reason I talk about these things is not to tell people I've had a hard life. It's to make it clear to people who are complaining about their own lives that the bad things that are happening to you are what you need to become the man that you want to be. I can't talk about women because I'm not one. I actually think trauma is terrible for women because it masculinizes them. 
they become cold. And that's not attractive, right? We want feminine, pure, protected women. I don't want a woman to ever go through anything bad in her life. I think a man should go through it for her and protect her because I think that's how she's her best self as a woman. But I think to be your best self as a man is the absolute opposite. And when someone emails me and says, this has happened to me, I'm like, good. No, what do you mean good? It's terrible. How else are you going to become important? How else are you going to find endless fire to get up and struggle in the face of the competition that's out here in the world? How else are you ever, you're going to do all that with a nice cushy life? If any man's honest with himself, think about the biggest transformative stages in your life. Think about the times you got the most work done. It was a bad part of your life. You were heartbroken or, you know, you lost a house or broke or whatever. That's when you did shit. When everything was fine, when the woman's still sucking dick, the, the mortgage is paid, dinner's on time, it's kind of doop de doop de doo little by little, do a little bit of work, do a little bit of relax. But the big events come from trauma. This is it. So it's a cheat code. It's a cheat code to climb the mountain. So when I get a message from whoever and he goes, my wife left me, I'm devastated. I say, I understand. I completely understand how hard it can be to lose a woman that you've given your entire life to. And you've been done so many nice things. And then because of one thing you did, her innate and absolutely insane level of ungratefulness has turned her bitter and she now talks to you like she hates you over one thing you've done after thousands of efforts showing how dedicated you are to her. And even now that you're prepared to die for her, she doesn't give a shit about you. I understand that pain, but my answer is, Good, it's still good. Now take all of that pain, and instead of emailing me, do this. And then you're gonna become the kind of person that women don't leave. And you win. Andrew, I've gotta do my job here. Sure. I don't wanna do this, because I'm really enjoying this, so I've gotta do my job. I wanna push you for one specific example of something that was traumatic to you. Maybe something in your childhood or something. Because there's still a wall there where you haven't given us anything that's really hurt you. Oh, completely. Yeah, I haven't answered. So, I mean, I can. I have a whole bunch of things, but I can give you a, a, a simple one that I've talked about already before. And this is one that everyone can relate to. Uh, losing my father was, was bad. Me and my father were exceptionally close. But it's natural part of human evolution. As you grow, you're going to lose your parents. Mm. That's what happens, right? Mm. Uh, it's it's, it's going to suck. But the only alternative is that you die before them. And I think that's worse because it's not, it's not natural, right? And there's an African proverb that says you don't become a man until your father dies. And I can confirm that to be true. That, that, that is my biggest fear in life. What I know is coming, not, you know. Yeah. It's, it's coming. Yeah. And it's sudden and it's instant and it's brutal. Yeah. And, uh, but all the trauma, like all of the, the pain associated with that experience, it teaches you, it taught me at least, I all of a sudden almost remembered every conversation I ever had with him. Like I always, I was talking to the guy every day, right? How old were you when that happened? 27. Yeah. I was talking to the guy all the time, but when, once he's gone, you remember all the times he was right and you didn't quite understand. <laughs> all the times he was saying things you didn't quite get. All the times you talked back and you were absolutely and utterly incorrect. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, <laughs> I've been wrong this whole time, right? <laughs> so it teaches you a whole bunch about yourself. And it also, for me, what it did was make it clear to me that I'm no longer a student and it's time to become a teacher. Yeah. And also my scenario with my father was very unique because he was the only person on the planet I allowed to check my thinking. Even at the age of 25, 26, I didn't, I had asked my dad if I was right. I didn't give a shit what anybody else said. You could get 20,000 people in a room saying, Andrew, you're wrong. Didn't care. 
But if my dad said I was wrong, shit, I was wrong. So once he wasn't around to check my thinking, I had to check my own thinking a lot harder, a lot more carefully. So yeah, I mean, that was a terrible experience. I, I, I miss him like the desert's Mr. Rain, but that's his life, right? The only alternative is worse. I don't think he would have been able to actually function if he lost me. So this is how it goes. And, mm. and it's coming for all of us. What's actually kind of amazing is he is mentioned and talked about now so often on the internet because of my massive fame. So I've kept him alive by becoming so successful. People are interested in my origin, which makes people talk about him. So it's kind of like if you have a duty to your bloodline and a duty to your ancestors and you truly love your parents, how can you still be saying a home playing video games being a lazy piece of shit? Don't you want people to remember them? Don't you want people to think, wow, who's this person who raised this amazing person? So that in and of itself, it should be endless motivation. If anyone's watching this, if you love your parents, you can't be a loser anymore. <laughs> like, otherwise, they're, they're going to be forgotten along with you, you know? So, but yeah, it's coming. The, the, but we're all going to be forgotten in the end. Perhaps, but there can be different, perhaps this is true, but there will be different evolutions of, of fables. There are still stories we tell from two or 3,000 years ago. And I tell the story of my father, and my son will tell the story of me, and his son will tell the story of him. And we will all be so influential that the name Tate will live forever. And this is what gave me solace. But this solace that you find after your father's passing, that solace for me also gave me a massive sense of responsibility and duty. I can't now not be who I am, which is goes back to earlier when you were saying, well, they're going to get you. How do you sleep at night? Because I can't not do this because by doing this, my father is remembered and I will be remembered and my son will be born and instilled with a sense of duty, which will make him impossible to program by the matrix. So I know my son will be a good person. He won't be a piece of shit like all these other children. He will be born with morality and he will understand that his father sacrificed himself for the good of the world. So yes, I'm, I don't like being alone in a dark car park, of course, but also what's the alternative? To say, Dad, sorry, they offered me some money. Is that the alternative? I don't know. But maybe some people can sign up to that, but I certainly can. Mm -hmm. Do you have something to prove? I think everybody on the planet has something to prove. If you walk through life and feel like you have nothing to prove, then you're a fucking loser. If you wake up each day and go, I don't owe anybody anything, I don't have to prove anything to anybody, then you are a loser because you are absolutely not the incorrect. You must prove yourself to other people. You must prove yourself to your bloodline, as we, dis as we just discussed. You must prove yourself to God. God hates the lazy. He can't stand them. If he gives you all these genetic dispositions and these natural God-given gifts, if you have two arms and two legs and you can think, and you're not trying your absolute best, that's the reason you're not lucky. He doesn't like you. He likes the people which show him the beauty of his own creation. He likes to give somebody building blocks and then to build something amazing. It's the best thing about being a man. You get to build who you are, right? You can decide if you want to be a funny comedian or a musician or a kickboxer world champion, or fight the matrix, you decide whatever you want to be. God loves to see that. <clears throat> Those people, for some reason, seem to be enormously lucky, right? The person who goes, I don't have to prove anything to God. I don't owe all of my ancestors any effort. You know, for 5,000 years, people were dodging saber-toothed tigers and catching the plague and running from Genghis Khan just for my stupid ass to be born. I don't owe them anything. I don't owe them a thing, because I want to play video games. These people are fucking losers. You should walk through earth with force inside of you. If I walk, as I walked into this hotel reception, everybody looked. 
Not because they know who I am, but because as I move, even if, even if it's behind their head, people feel something and they go, it's, it's an energy that comes from brutal competence. It's almost like an evolutionary thing where a rabbit can just smell a fox. It just knows. That's what happens when a predator walks in a room, even amongst humans. You pay attention next time you're in a restaurant. If a man who's truly dangerous walks in, nearly every other man kind of looks up at the same time. You feel it. You need to or you don't survive. We've evolved with that to live. That's who I am. I couldn't imagine not being that man. I've done that because I've been trying to prove myself to my lineage my entire life. I wake up every day with something to prove. I have hundreds of millions of dollars. I wake up and think, fuck, more. I'm in fantastic shape, four times world champion, fighting the matrix out here by myself, more. I will have to be braver, I must try harder. I, all I do is prove myself. So when I hear people go, I don't have nothing to prove, then you're a fucking loser. Peasants have never felt like they needed to prove anything, but kings felt like they needed to go and conquer land. Isn't that co it's coincidental that the king who already had it all felt like he needed to go to some far flung land and conquer it and take it and prove he's the king. But the peasants, I don't have to prove nothing to nobody. You're a fucking loser then. You're a dummy. I absolutely and utterly completely have everything to prove to everybody all of the time. That's who I am. I will prove anything to anybody. If I sit and say X, I will prove it to anyone. I can be checked at any time. Someone would have come up to me in that, in that lobby and argued with my ideas, I would have proved that my ideas are sound. If they would have attacked me, I would have destroyed them completely and absolutely. That's who I am. So yes, I have a lot to prove, my friend. And until the day I die, it will remain that way. You've said a few times, a loser. What's the definition of a loser? I think the universe is absolutely and utterly giving. I've never seen anybody dedicate themselves to something completely and fail. I've never seen somebody eat right, go to the gym every day, train really hard, and not be in good shape. I've literally never seen it. The universe is extremely giving. If you actually try, and you actually want it, and you're actually not making excuses, lying, talking shit, you're gonna get what you want. So when I see people who don't have what they want, I consider them losers. And this may be elitist, I understand that. But if I put myself through endless pain to end up where I am, it's very hard for me to have sympathy on the man who's afraid of pain. You're avoiding pain. I've been through endless. I now have everything I've ever desired. You have none of the things you desire. Am I supposed to feel sorry for you? Because you took the easy way out? Am I supposed to look at you and go, oh, poor dude, no. You were a fucking coward. You didn't go through the shit I went through. You didn't put it on the line. So you deserve your substandard reality. That's what you deserve, you're a fucking loser. Because if you actually wanted it, and you actually tried, you'd have it. You could have anything you want. Universe is super giving. You want a fucking Ferrari, you can have it. You want that bitch, you can have her. You can have anything you want on the planet. There's not a girl I look at that I want that I can't have. Not one. That's my reality. There's not a car I can't have. There's not a house I can't buy. If I want to go to a yacht, if I want to go to Antarctica, if I want, there's nothing I can't have. At a, bam. Because I've decided to become this man. It's the same for absolutely every single one of you at home. If you want it, you can have it. If, you, if you're sitting there saying, oh, but I tried my best and I still didn't get it. You're lying. You didn't try your best. That is a fucking lie. The universe gives it to everybody who genuinely tries. And I know that to be a fact because this world's competitive. We're all competing against each other. And the majority of people don't try. Like I've, I've achieved this amazing life and I've tried very, very hard, but it could have been harder. I mean, it's, was it that hard? 
about 86% hard. It wasn't 100% hard. Why? Because the competition's zero. Everyone is a fucking loser. It's amazing to me. Everyone's a loser. I can say to somebody, listen, I'll make you a millionaire. Do this. Oh, yeah, but, you know, the kids are home from school now. <laughs> That's it. They're done. And then they'll sit and go, oh, I really wish I had some money. You are a loser. I will sit here on this podcast. People will listen to me for hours. And I will say, listen, I have hundreds of millions of dollars. and I will teach you how to make money. CobraTech.com, I have a school, university, designed specifically to teach you how to make money. I clearly know how to make money. You clearly like what I say. You obviously believe I'm intelligent and integral and I won't lie to you. And still, a whole bunch of people will sit there and go, hmm, yeah, anyway, next video. And then they'll say, can't afford a Ferrari and wonder why. Like they'll be confused in their minds how they didn't end up getting what they want. Because you're a fucking loser. That's why. And, and the majority of people are losers. And this is, goes back to why, when we were saying earlier, how I know the elites view us. Because I'm from a council estate in Luton single parent household and I've only been rich 10 years or so and I despise losers. So imagine you're a billionaire born into a family, a lineage which has controlled earth for hundreds of years. Imagine how much they despise us. You think they give a fuck about putting a bullet in me? You think they're gonna have any sleep at night missed? You think they give a solitary fuck about you missing your fucking parents funeral because of the common cold? They don't give a solitary shit. Why would they? Because I already know how I feel when I listen to losers complain. Because this is what happens at a certain level of competence and power. You just get to a point where you're like, I'm tired of hearing your fucking excuses. That's bullshit. And you become to a degree, yeah, cold and psychopathic. It's true. That's what happens. And I get it all the time. I get thousands of emails a day. Everyone I grew up with, people I know, I get it all the time. They'll message me, hey man, you know, just unlucky. You are not unlucky. You are a lazy fucking loser. That's, that's, you are not unlucky. You're breathing. You're lucky. The unlucky ones are gone. You're alive and you are a lazy loser. So a loser is anybody who does not have everything they want at the drop of a hat. That's who I call a loser because I have absolutely everything I could ever possibly desire. And if I wanted something that I couldn't have, I guarantee you, we could speak again in a few months and I fucking have it. I guarantee you. Because if I want something and I can't have it, I can't sleep. When I was broke, I couldn't sleep. I don't know how there's broke people out here sleeping just fine at night. Going, oh, you know, inflation's 20%, gas prices are six times, everything on the news is a lie, I never stand a chance of ever getting rich, where's my pillow? Like, what the, what the fuck is wrong with you people? I, I go to bed at night as a teenager and think, I looked it up on the internet. It was a Honda Civic Type R. I wanted one, it was like 38,000 pounds, I had no money. Less than 50 pounds on my bank account, couldn't afford it. Then I looked up how much a Ferrari cost, 210,000 pounds. And I said to Tristan, my cup brother, I was like, there are people with 210,000 pounds for a car. And he's like, yes, so? I'm like, no, no, not so. How? If I worked my job for six years and saved every penny, if I walked to work and didn't eat, I couldn't buy this car. How are people doing this? I couldn't sleep at night when I was broke. I knew that everything was a lie. I knew the matrix was lying to me. I knew I had to find a way out. I was sitting there going, I refuse to live my human years and be some second-class citizen peasant when there's people out here who get to do whatever the fuck they want. I, I couldn't tolerate it. And I was so uncomfortable that it gave me the motivation I needed to escape. 
But the people who go, oh yeah, nice Ferrari, yeah, back to the TV. Dummies, losers. And the thing about the world is, we need losers. I, I'm not mad at losers. If that's the reality you've chosen to live, you get one spin in this version of life, and you decide you want to be a loser, that's fantastic because I like, I need, my cars need cleaning, you know, my hotel room needs cleaning. I have a party with all these beautiful women that's a bit of a mess. Please go pick it up. Somebody needs to do that shit. I ain't gonna fucking do it. If I had to walk into a hotel room and clean up after some other man's party, I guarantee you I'd do whatever it fucking took to become rich so I didn't have to do that shit anymore. But you wanna do that for 20 years? Thanks, friend. <laughs> Someone's gotta flip the fucking burgers. Someone has to make the fries. I want a happy meal now and again. But I don't feel sorry for you people because you fucking deserve it. Because it's a decision you made. You made that decision. If you're sitting at home and you say, I don't want to be a loser, you know what to do. I told you how to escape the matrix. CobraKitate.com. You can join. I'll teach you. But if you're going to sit there and go, nah, maybe this guy with hundreds of millions of dollars is trying to scam me out of 25 pounds. All right, smart ass. Have fun at McDonald's. Get fucked. I have no sympathy for these people. Zero. Do you have a little bit of a system you can share on how to make money. I know we've got CobraTate.com. We'll yeah. keep shouting it out. But any tips for someone who's ready, yeah. but they don't yet know the how? Completely. So we teach it inside of the real world, of course. I keep mentioning it because it's so important. But there are three keys, I believe, to making money. The word of the day. First one is perspicacity. Most people go through life and they do not pay attention. I've said this before and I want to stick by it because it's so important. You need to pay attention to every single time you spend money because you cannot make money. You're not the Federal Reserve, you're not a government. Governments make money. All of us take money from somebody else or a business or a government. We take money from other things. So the easiest way to learn how to get good at taking money is to pay attention to every time someone takes money from you. So next time you buy a coffee, don't just buy the coffee and drink it and think nothing of it like every brokey. Don't do that. Say, okay, I, why am I buying this coffee? Okay, I want a coffee. All right. Why am, I, why am I buying here? Well, this is on my way to work. Is there any competition around? Do I also want breakfast? Do they sell breakfast? No, they don't sell breakfast. They could probably make some more money if they're selling breakfast. Anyway, I walk in. There's a long line. Why is there one member of staff? I'm low on time. I'm about to leave and not buy the coffee. They're about to lose money because it's taking too long. Most of the people in this line are businessmen. Why is there not a cute girl behind the counter? I bet if they paid a cute girl a little bit more, they'd still make a bunch more money because people come in here to talk to her. Think. And then you, what you'll do is, as you go through life, every time you spend money, is you'll realize the problem is not how to make money. The problem is how much time you have because there's endless business ideas. There's endless ideas. I walk into a coffee shop, and by the time I've walked out, I already know exactly how to open up next door and outcompete them head to toe. I already have worked out how much is the rent, how, where are they fucking up, what are they not selling that should be selling? What are they doing good? What are they doing bad? This chair is too hard. I'll wreck them. And I'll send it. And now my network is so powerful, which is the second point network. I can send a few messages on WhatsApp and make a bank transfer. And two months later, there's a brand new coffee shop next door with my name on it, put in my business. So the first thing is you have to pay attention. Because if you pay attention, you'll start to learn that money is everywhere. Every building is owned. These are skyscrapers, bro. Billion, 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 billions. Every apartment nowadays is a million. Million, million. You drive down a street in London, you're driving past trillions of dollars. There's money everywhere. It's all around us. When I was broke, I thought that the world was broke. I thought that there was no money. And then I got rich and realized that I was completely and utterly wrong. There's so much money. 
It's everywhere. If I go to try and buy a plane or a jet, they're always sold out. My yacht is a fucking six-year waiting list. I want a Bugatti. They launch it. The email comes to my email address. Two minutes later, gone. Like There's so much money. If I want a diamond watch or a million-dollar watch or a million-dollar watch, you can't get this stuff. There is so much money out there. Once you get to a certain echelon, you realize there's money fucking everywhere. So there's plenty of money in the world. People with no money are just not very good at taking it. So you need to start paying attention. First thing. Second thing is network. It's hard to make money if you don't know anybody who has money. If you sit in a room full of ice cream experts and all they talk about is ice cream, how to make ice cream, the different flavors, how to store it, how to move it, how to sell it. Even by accident, if you hang around with these people long enough, when someone asks you a question about ice cream, that's what you're gonna, you're gonna know the answer. You're gonna say, you know what? That's because it's pistachio and that needs to be two degrees higher than chocolate. And you're gonna look like a smart ass. So if you sit in a room full of people who are making a bunch of money, everyone understands this. Your network is your net worth. You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Everybody understands this. And then they still hang around with fucking losers because they're dummies. You're right. I am the sum of the five people I spend the most time with. Anyway, this is my friend, Nick. He's so funny when we go drinking because he gets really drunk. <laughs> losers. I don't talk to anybody who is not winning. Everybody whose phone, every phone call I will answer, if I answer a phone call, it is from a winner. I don't talk to losers. Everyone I talk to is rich. Everyone I talk to is making money. Everybody. If my entire reality is full of multimillionaires making money, how am I not going to make money? And this is why network is so important. It's because it's the same reason that wolves hunt in packs. If you're a lone animal, you have one set of eyes. But if you're a pack, you're watching every single angle, every single side. Perhaps I might miss something. I'm as perspicacious as possible. But one of my friends identifies that the war in Ukraine is going to change and the Russian ruble is going to pump. You can make a bunch of money on a forex trade, for example. I may not have noticed, but he'll notice. Now I've made a bunch of million dollars to get a text message, right? Mm. Because I have friends who are paying attention. All of us are paying attention. So your network is super important. That's another thing. We'll go into this because I have something called The War Room, which is also on corporatetech.com. I let people read for themselves, but that's my private network. And we specifically talk about money and, and a few other things. But that's is that like more like a mastermind? It's, it's the real world's how to make money and the war room's what to do with money, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's all on corporatetech.com. I don't want to get off track, but it's there. But second is network. And third is to identify the reason why you don't have as much money as you want so far. And there's one of three reasons. You are either lazy, stupid, or arrogant. Those are the only three reasons anyone is poor. And you have to identify and choose which one it is. The majority of people are not the one they think they are. The majority of people are the one I'm about to say at the end. So let's start with lazy. There are a lot of lazy people. The unfortunate reality about money is that you are competing. So it's player versus player. It's like anything in the world. If you want that beautiful girl, so does everyone else. You have to win the competition. You want that car, you have to get it first. You want that money, everyone wants that money. You have to compete. It's competitive. Business is competitive. You are competing against people like me. You're competing against people like the people in my network. You're competing about people who only talk about money, who understand money very well, who operate in jurisdictions all around the planet, who are extremely well connected, who know things before you know them, who have mass influence and mass power and mass resource. You're competing against me. This is what you must understand. You're not waking up going, I want to make some money. You're competing against people like me. You're competing against billionaires. You're competing against hedge funds. How do these hedge funds keep growing? Where are they getting that money from? From the brokies. They're robbing you. 
They're robbing all the poor people from the pension fund, dummy. That's where they get it from. This is who you're competing against. So the competition is absolutely and utterly fierce. Understanding that, understanding that you're a man with a small pistol up against a mighty army. If you want to add a little bit of laziness on top, you're fucked. So when I say people are lazy, they go, I'm not lazy. I work hard every day. You work eight hours a day? <laughs> you work eight? Eight? The fuck? If I'm awake, I'm working. I'll be driving my Bugatti Chiron through Dubai, working. I'm texting at the same fucking time. I don't take a second off. I don't take a minute off. I don't relax. I don't rest. I don't stop. I don't chill. None. Ever. I'm either asleep or at work. That's it. Second I wake up, I check my phone, I begin working. I go to the gym in between sets, I am working. I'm online working the entire fucking day until the second I go to sleep, I am at work. That is all I do. And you are at home competing against me and you want to watch a movie tonight and then say you're not lazy. You're fucking lazy and you're gonna lose forever. That's laziness. Next is stupid. I don't think many people are actually too stupid to be rich. You can be below average IQ and still get very rich. Very, a very small percentage of people are too dumb to be rich. The slave minds, they'll never be rich because the matrix tries to keep you poor because when you're poor, you can't think like we talked about earlier. So everything the media tells you is designed to make you poor. They want you broke and struggling because if you rely on the government for food stamps, then you can't argue with the government, can you? So that's what they want. So anyone who believes in the matrix and believes in media and believes in the lies they're told, anyone who sits there and goes, that's true, that it's literally designed to make you broke. That's why it's all a scam. Do your GCSEs, do your A-levels, get in debt, go to uni, get out, get a shit job, get a mortgage. Don't worry, when you've paid that mortgage off when you're 61, then you'll have enough money to go to Spain for holiday. Then your pension comes. Oh, government doesn't have the pension money anymore. Funny enough, hedge fund stole it. Pay half your money in your life in tax. Oops, de doops. <laughs> and then you wake up one day and go, whoa, I just got fucked. So the whole scam, the whole story is a lie because they want you broke. <laughs> they don't want you rich. If you're rich, you won't listen to them. So all of it's a fucking lie. And intrinsically, we all know this, right? If I, when I pull up in one of my 30 cars to a gas station and people look at me and they see a Lambo or a Ferrari or a Bugatti or a Koenigsegg, whatever I'm driving, nobody goes, wow, he went to school. No, they think drug dealer, gangster. They're thinking, they're thinking he broke the rules because anyone who follows the rules doesn't get shit. It's all a scam. It's all a fucking lie. So the slave minds are fucked, but those are the only ones who are too stupid to make money. Anybody who understands that the matrix is lying to them is smart enough. So very few, very small percent are too stupid. Inside of our school, at the height of it, before the matrix attack, we're relaunching now. We had 175,000 students. Wow. When we had 175,000 students, maybe 2,000 we kicked out for being too stupid. It's step by step. Do this, do that, do this, and don't be lazy. The fuck? It's not that hard, right? So stupid's not the problem. So we have people who are lazy, very few are stupid, but the majority, the main reason most people are broke is because they are arrogant. I will sit here and say all the things I've said. I will do this, take time out of my life for free. Somebody at home will watch and digest it for free. They will agree with the things that are being said or at least be entertained enough to continue to watch. And then I'll say, I'll teach you how to make money online. CobraTake.com, you can join the real world. And they'll sit there and go, nah, I, I'll do it myself. 
They're arrogant. They have these egos from fuck knows where because they didn't earn it. And they're just too arrogant to listen to anybody. I became world champion by listening to my coach. I didn't become world champion by walking in and saying, I'll do it myself. <laughs> That's not how you get anywhere in life. You have to listen. If, if Mike Tyson were to walk in or if Elon Musk were to walk in here and talk to me about money, I wouldn't be sitting there going, I can do that. I'd be like, oh, Mr. Elon, richest man in the world. Hello, very nice to meet you. Please, even though I already understand I don't want to launch a car brand or put rockets in space, please, you must know some things I don't know. How do you deal with the currency fluctuations? Does, it does, does inflation impact how much it costs for you to send a rocket into space? Like, I'll ask him something that's useful, right? But some people, some people are so brutally arrogant that they'll sit here and they'll listen to all the things I said. And they'll agree that I'm intelligent. They'll agree I'm massively successful. But they'll sit there and go, yeah, but you know what? I'll, I'll do it myself. I don't want to join that school because, you know, I'll just do it. I'll do it myself. They're arrogant. Everybody's fucking arrogant. I sit with people who I used to go to school with from Luton who are still broke and tell them how to make money. And you know what they do? They answer back. Yeah, but you know, it's not that simple because, you know, the wife gets the kid. Da, 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 and you know what? And I, I don't like to do things that way. The way I like to work. The way you like to work is why you're fucking broke. What the fuck are you talking about? You just sat here and wasted 10 minutes of my time. I told you how to take your business or painting and decorating or whatever the fuck you're doing and make a serious amount of money and now you're telling me the way you like to work? Then stay fucking broke. The fuck you want me to do? What level of arrogance? But this is people. They'll sit with a multi-millionaire and tell you their view. Oh, I think that the... Know when you're out qualified and accept it and learn. So we all do. I'm not going to get... I can't play piano for shit. The piano teacher walked in here and said, this is what you do. And I said, well, I like to move my hands this way. What kind of dumbass? But this is the, this is the arrogance people operate under. So I'd say 20% of people are lazy, 20 to 25%. A large portion of the world are not lazy. They're actually working exceptionally hard, but they're doing the wrong thing. 5% of people are too stupid. So say 25%, 5% is 30%. But 70% of people are brutally arrogant. And this is why they are poor. That's the truth. And how did you make your first million? Good question. I've talked about this already. It was an unorthodox strategy. I've talked about it at length, so I won't give the whole story because it's too long. But I identified a gap. I identified a market. I approached the scenario and the situation extremely professionally. And I worked exceptionally hard. I made my first million dollars. So I... What my first millions came from owning a webcam studio. So I saw a little advertisement in the corner of a webpage saying, talk to live girls now. I've never been a porn guy. I'm not interested in that shit. But I was like, that's interesting. I know some girls who need some money. Boom, boom, boom. I put together this apparatus, extremely professional. No fucking sexual misconduct. No Dan Bilzerian. No threesomes. Nothing. Very or professional. If it's very professional outfit. And I used all my business knowledge and all my life knowledge, and I applied it. I worked 22-hour days, I would say. I got to the point where I was so tired, so tired. But I'd say, you know what, give me 20 minutes. And if the alarm, if I could hear the alarm go off, I'd get up. Sometimes I just slept clean through it, and I slept an hour or two. For months and months and months, and I built an empire. I built an insanely large empire at one point. I'm completely out of that business now, but how did I How, do as in, did you sell it? Uh, I didn't sell it. I just closed it all down. I moved on. I started making a bunch of money and I found other opportunities. But how did I get that opportunity? Perspicacity. First thing I said, pay attention. I paid attention. I looked at the girl. <clears throat> I'll give you the coffee shop example. This is what I did. I clicked on that advert. I saw the girl sitting there, miserable, waiting for a customer. 
I thought nobody was going to buy from an unhappy bitch. You need, these men are, the men who are paying her are trying to escape an unhappy life or they wouldn't be doing this shit. So when I got my girls online, smile, happy girls get paid. That was a token. That was a slogan. Happy girls get rich. Joking. Ha ha ha. Who's you going to pay? You're going to pay the girls like, yeah, yeah, having a, having a blast. So I paid attention to the competition. I saw an opportunity just at the coffee shop. So all the things they did wrong, the room was messy, camera quality was shit. There's the basic stuff. The way the girl acted and interacted, all that stuff. And I applied it all by paying attention to countless hours watching everybody else, finding the way to do it better, just like with the coffee shop, and I did it better. So I was absolutely not really perspicacious, and that's, that's how you make money. And I did it with that, but I could have done it with anything. And now I do it with everything. The story of me sending a text message via my network and having a coffee shop is a true story. I have never, I don't think I've even, I've been in there maybe twice. I can't even go. And, and I have mechanisms in place to make sure I'm not robbed too badly because unfortunately a little bit of cash goes missing. But everything's in, in place and it makes me money. I don't think I've even drunk my own coffee. So I identified, I put together a list. It needs to be like this, like this, like this, like this, like this. I have competent people who work for me, which is very hard to find, but I do. They understand to follow the doctrine to the doctrine. And I'm getting money into a bank account. That's it. And you can do that with literally anything if you have a strong network and you pay attention. You can do anything. Even podcasts. We're doing a podcast right now. You guys are already big and successful at this. I'm telling you, you can look at the biggest podcasts in the world and still see what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Mm. It's just a game. Mm. That's the game. And then you have to outcompete everybody else. So. And what's your net worth now? You know what? It's kind of funny. because Was that sigh? That's the shittest question so far on no, this show. No, no. It's, it's, it's uh, I don't actually really know. Because they say if you don't know what you've got, they say if you know what you've got, you ain't got much. And it's, it's so fucking true. I don't know how much that coffee shop is worth. I know what it makes me roughly a month. I don't know what I could sell it for. I can guess now, like if I had to put a uh, six times multiplier on it, you know, I could guess. But then... What am I doing for every property? How much are all my properties worth? Fuck knows. Different than when I bought them. So the price has gone up, down. I don't even check. Don't know. So how much are the property worth? I can guess. How much are the business is worth? I could guess. How much is my brand worth? If I put my name to something, it sells. I've been offered 50, 60, 70 million dollars to sell junk to children, which I wouldn't do because I have too much morals. How much is my brand worth? I'm the most Googled man on the fucking planet. God knows. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't guess. I would guess that because there's different metrics of measuring the, the value of, say, a business, sometimes they'll put a three times multiplier on it, sometimes they'll put an eight times multiplier on it. Let's put it this way. Hustlers University, 175,000 students, was doing about $13 million a month profit. That's an online educational company. Online is the future. Education is the future. It was seamless, fantastic, outcompeted Oxford, Cambridge, everybody. It was the best school on the planet. Not just because we had 175,000 students, because we retained 175,000 students. That's the key. 175,000 people were making more money than they invested each month. There's no other platform on the planet that can do that. We had no competition. There was no other online digital learning platform that was even 1% as close. We were the largest online digital teaching platform on the planet. And everybody wants to make money. So everybody wants to join. Male, female, rich country, poor country. That's $13 million a month that was doing. So what's that? 120, 130 million dollars a year, eight times multiplier. Is that what, what's that worth? 800 million by itself? Like depending how you want to estimate it, I can sit here and say I'm worth 200 million dollars or a billion dollars. I could be a billionaire with net worth, things I own. 
things I'm in control of. Depends on how you want to analyze it. So the reason I sighed is because I don't have a clue how much money I'm worth. I don't know. I know that if I want shit, I get it. I know that the world is effectively free now. I'm at a point of money where I never, ever contemplate the price of anything ever. The whole world, the only way I can explain being ridiculously rich is that everything is completely free. So if you want something, even 1%, even if you time, even if you want something a little bit, the cost is 0% consideration. So I have 30 cars. I tried to stop at 10, but the car, the car owners know I'm going to buy them, right? So they, they decide to launch a new Lambo and they text me and go, Hey, new Lambo. I don't even ask to see a picture. I'm just like, okay, because I'm not going to notice the money going missing. So why not? At least I might, I might only glance at it for three seconds. I may never even drive it. I might just go, Oh, it's all right. That's worth the money to me because the money is worth nothing. Mm. So the whole world, the whole world is free. If I want coffee, it's, it's like I buy, I buy and do things like the same way a person not even buys coffee, like a penny sweet. It's just like, Oh, fuck it. All right. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I can't, I can't explain it. I don't have a clue how much money I'm worth. I don't know. That's the answer. I don't know. I just know I can have whatever I want. Do you have more cars or more girlfriends? <laughs> I'm a man of God. You didn't hear? Well, well God, I've, I've God read... wants us to procreate. So I guess. <laughs> they um, were going to be two separate questions. Yeah. But last time I looked, you had 29 cars. So you've clearly bought one more. Correct. And, and I saw somewhere you said you had 20 girlfriends. Um, so more cars or more girlfriends. And let's talk cars and girlfriends. Yeah, good question. So, yeah, I have, I have around 30 cars now. I, I don't sell them because... I don't need money, so what's the point of selling it? Do you buy ones that you think will go up in value or do you just not care? Don't give me shit. No. I'll buy what I want. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, what I want. I actually buy them because I'm curious. So, like the new Maserati came out, the MC20. I don't think it'll be that good a car. The reviews are actually pretty mediocre. I've never driven one, so I bought one. So I'll, I drove it 10 minutes. Yeah, it's shit. Put on the drive. That was it. And you'll just keep it? Yeah. What am I going to do? What am I going to sell it for? Money? Fucking money. I don't want. It's the last thing I want. I don't give a shit. So I don't need money. So I'd never sell it. The headache of dealing with someone buying it off me is not worth 350 <laughs> grand. Like someone going, hey, can I come check out the car? Oh, fuck off. I'm out. Fuck, get fucked. Like, I, I can't be bothered. Even telling my assistant to deal with it is too much asshole for 350 Gs. I don't give a shit. So it just stay there forever until it rusts to fucking bits. So, um, yeah, that, that's the main reason I have so many cars. And also the reason I have so many cars is because there's really nothing left to buy. When I was poor, I thought, when I get rich, I'm going to buy all this stuff. But then you, you buy some nice clothes. You buy a couple diamond watches or 20, whatever. You buy a house. What's it about? Plates, cups. Okay, nice computer. Nice big TV. My TV's worth half a million dollars. I have a half a million dollar fucking television. You, you buy some cars. There's nothing to buy. You, all you really need is a laptop. When you've got a laptop, you can do anything you need. You've got a laptop and a phone and a t-shirt to wear. And you're, that's your life and your empire sorted. So everything else is just dumb shit, right? So there's nothing else to buy. So I buy cars because there's nothing else to buy. As for girlfriends, <laughs> I'm a man of God. I'm a good man. And I'm an honest man. By the way, there's no judgment coming from this chair oh, on this question. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think that uh, love is a beautiful thing. And I think that men and women are designed to be together. And I think that the world is a more interesting place when you see in fact, I'll change that answer. I think that the happiest man on earth you can find has a good relationship and the happiest woman on earth you can find has a good relationship. I think we're social animals and I think that a good relationship is such an integral part to our spiritual well-being. And I am very fortunate that I have 
many concurrent, very good relationships with women who are extremely understanding and kind and loving and nice to me. And they understand my value and they treat me with utmost respect. And it's certainly a fantastic thing because I think that women are, in their own way, very powerful in the complete different way that men are powerful. And this is what, when I got attacked for being misogynistic, people didn't understand. I'm not insulting women, I'm saying that we are different. And I may physically and financially and intellectually take control and protect my women, but certainly they will spiritually protect me. I know that if a woman truly loves you, that's a powerful force. I've had days where three different girls, I woke up to three different girls texting me, be careful, I had a bad dream last night and something bad happened that day. That's happened to me. I know that if I get very sick or I'm in hospital, I'll want my woman there more than I'll want. Your boys. woman or your 20 women. Uh, well, you'll want a female more than you'll want your boys. Yeah. They have a healing energy. Mm. Um, and there's times where they're absolutely not the extremely powerful forces. So yes, if you're a man who wants to have a complete life, you want to be successful and competent in all realms. You need to also make sure that your relationship ticks that box or however many you feel you need to be satisfied. So how many girlfriends you got? You don't let me get away with the politics. <laughs> no. I, I have a very good life and a very good relationship with, with uh, many fantastic females and also I know some great, I, I have, I have a, a good life. That's the only answer I can say. I don't want to get into numbers. Okay. And the reason, the reason I won't, I'll tell you the reason I won't. Okay. There's large contingents of feral psychopaths aiming to destroy me. So I don't like to give away too much information about mm. certain things. That's the only reason why. Yeah. Like I could sit here and say one, I could say 25, I could say whatever. Well, it's clearly not one because the plurals come out a few times. Perhaps it is one and perhaps that's the big deception. <laughs> this perhaps, metric shit isn't working on me. <laughs> perhaps the feral psychopaths are now confused. Does he have one wife? Does he have 35 concubines? I can't work it out. Who do we contact to attempt to attack him? Because your females are your biggest weakness. As a man of genuine competence, your biggest weakness is your female. I'll tell you right now, if I had to get a man, if I had to get him, and he knew I was after him, he'd be a hard target. But you know how I'd get him? This woman. Every fucking time. She's the one who'll post the Instagram story. She's the one who won't forget to fucking hide her phone. She's the one who you can lie to. Hi, this is Officer... Uh, deputy inspector bullshit. Uh, we, we think you might be in this hotel. There's been a problem with you. We've heard this report. We, yeah, yeah, we are. What's the problem? Yeah, we are. That's, that's how they get you. Your woman, she doesn't think fast enough. She doesn't understand the true dangers of the world. Your women is how they will get you. And I'm talking from experience. You want someone, you look for their chick. Even the police do it. Guys want it. Yeah, go to his ex-girlfriend's house. Nine times out of ten, guess where he's fucking hiding? Some chick's house. Who's he been fucking lately? Go there. <laughs> Done. It's not hard. So your woman is how they get you. So when you're playing chess, uh, my father was a chess grandmaster, besides the king, the number one piece they can attack that will make you have to react is your queen. It's a powerful piece. So if the government want you, they can attack your woman. If your enemies want you, they can use your woman. You can sit in a police interview. They can arrest you and your wife. You and your wife can have the same story. Then they can sit with your wife and say, we went through his phone. You know he's fucking this girl? And she'll go, what? She'll change stories. Your woman's a, a, your number one weakness. That's how they get to you. That's how they wreck you. So for me to sit here and say, I had this many girls, da, 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 that's just telling all my enemies how to try and attack me. If I, any girlfriend who's serious of mine does not have social media, 
she does not exist out in the world for anyone to find or see for a reason. Because I am a target for, for very powerful people, some at the absolute highest echelons of society, and some at the bottom. There are groups of men with AK-47 sitting around dingy lit rooms thinking about killing me. And I don't want someone to go, you know what? This bitch always shows what restaurant she's in because she's a dummy. So let's go, let's go kidnap her ass and put her screaming down the phone at Tate and demand some money. That's how it goes. Women are a weakness. They're absolutely not really a weakness. And I am obliged to protect them. So for that reason, I don't like to answer the question. And I respect that. Thank you. <laughs> I did say you say 20 on another, saw you say 20 on another video. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you know, it, it is crazy because what's actually most crazy about women is even the women who know me intimately and know the dangers of my life, still sometimes they'll, they will, oh, it's just an Instagram story. Like, how can you pretend it's not a big deal? Oh, but I'm with you. Exactly. You feel like super safe and everything's fine because you're with me. But I know that if there's 20 of them with machetes, I will lose. I'm glad you see me as Superman. I appreciate it. But I'm the one with the burden of responsibility here. And it's, it's just incredible how the world that men live in, or the world that I live in, is so violent and so, so dangerous and so calculated. Whereas women, because we try very hard to protect them, as we should, I said earlier, I like women who have been trauma-free. I like sweet, innocent, pure women. They just see sunshine and rainbows. They think we're just in a beautiful restaurant. They think we've just gone to central London to do some shopping. Ooh, life's fine. They don't have any contemplation of the reality. And if you try and explain it to them, they kind of sit there and go, I get, I get it, but, you know, it was her birthday. And then, no, no, it doesn't matter if it's her birthday. They'll kill me on her birthday. They don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about her birthday, and I know the bitch. You think they give a fuck? Like, they don't operate in that realm. In fact, there was a rapper who got killed three weeks ago in L.A. Mm. Because the girl put the fucking Instagram story for her likes. She wants some likes on her Instagram. Ooh, with the rapper, name of the restaurant. He's blasted, so he's dead. He's in the ground. And who's she fucking now? Someone else. Sad. It's a sad reality. It's a sad reality. So women are your number one weakness. As a man, if you're going to engage with females, which you need to for your spiritual well-being, you also have to understand that there are people out there who will use them against you. Like I said, if I had a genuine enemy who I genuinely wanted to hurt, if he didn't know it, he wouldn't stand a chance. But if he knew it, he could do a lot to stop me. But I guarantee if you follow the women he's fucking from long enough, you'll get him mm. every fucking time. Wait for her to leave the house at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday. Where's she going? Booty call. Cool. Done. Every time. Mm. So something that really strikes me here is you're very articulate and you know your power and influence. Um, and you've been accused of being a misogynist. And my eight-year-old daughter, she's on TikTok and you know, she'll watch you. So are my son. Yeah. And you've said the word bitch four times. Correct. So I would like you in your own words with no loaded agenda from yep. me to yep. just sort of explain as someone who knows he's influencing people so much. Yep. You know, my eight-year-old daughter who might... Very Daddy's valid. in Dubai, can't wait to see Andrew Tate. Because they are excited. Very valid. Yeah. Very valid. It's a valid question. The reason I will speak certain ways is to be to a degree deliberately pro uh, provocative. Also because there's a humoric element. I, I also called a man a dickhead earlier. So it's not gendered. Mm, yeah. I call people names if I believe it has mm. a humorous effect. So it's not particularly gendered. Also, 
I certainly do not talk about women in the way that 95% of mainstream music does, for example. So I'm certainly not the biggest enemy or evil force on earth. So why do you get so much shit, but it's all right in a rap video? Correct, because of my influence. But you made a valid point. Like I could have sat here and not said that word. You're completely right. I am, but to, to a point, I, I would hate to sit and say, oh, the Matrix has attacked me to the point where I'm gonna truly censor myself. Like I said, there's a, there's a comedic effect to it when I do it. Uh, I'm very respectful of people all the time. Nobody's ever said I'm anything bad. Like I said, no women have come forward and accused me of anything ever. But you made a very valid point. It's a valid point. I have to accept the point. It's very valid. I know why I'm doing it. It's conscious. But there's a, there's a humoric element, and I don't want to sit and say, you know what, oh, the Matrix attacked me, so I better just for, you know, mm. just not be that person. That I'm going to call a guy a dickhead yeah. in my story. Also and, true. and I might say, this bitch who might get me killed, because that's how I feel. If a girl's going to do an Instagram story that threatens my life, I'm not going to call her an angel. That's, that's the story. Because mm. it is. When we were talking before we went live, um, you said you knew it was coming. Yeah. And by the way, I said we were going to do six rounds with Andrew and we've sort of done most of rounds one and two. Yeah, <laughs> Bro, I, I can talk, I know. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying this, so thank you. No um, so when and how did you know that they who control the world were coming for you and that your influence had grown too powerful? I knew because of the orchestration of the attacks. The attacks were exceptionally well orchestrated and there's no such thing as coincidence in my world. Like I said, my mental model allows me to predict the future. And if I believed in coincidence, then I would have been surprised when I was canceled. But I don't believe in coincidence because I've learned that is never true. Mm. So every single day I get a report from my staff that analyzes all social medias and news outlets because it's our job. As in your social media or the social media? The world. Yeah. Where I am, what's being said about me, how many comments are positive, how many comments are negative, percentages, etc. I get a report daily. Yeah. I uh, got that report. Looked pretty good, looked pretty easy. Went to sleep, woke up the next day, 150 different news publications wow. with the same version of a story that I'm misogynistic, with basically the same words slightly rewritten, in absolute sync. Is that a coincidence? It can't well, you don't believe in them, so. It can't possibly be. How can 150 from New Zealand and Australia to Norway to America all decide the same day to write the same version of the same story? Mm. Then, <clears throat> three days later, 35 prominent LGBT influencers did an Instagram post with the same picture and the same wording saying that I'm dangerous to the world. In perfect sync, within the same six minutes. Post, 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 post. Algorithms hyping it up, getting it millions and millions of likes and views and comments. This, is, this was an orchestrated attack. So once I understood the attack was orchestrated by someone powerful enough to affect the world's news, I understood the chance of me not being deleted is now zero. It's a matter of time. So I wrote a comment, I wrote a post saying that there's a lot of attention on me right now. As God's soldier, I'm going to turn negativity into positivity. Every like this post gets, I'm going to donate money to charity. That was my post. Put that up, news articles all around the world completely ignored it, even though I pledged $3 million to charity in front of everybody. Completely ignored all of it. No, only negative news about Andrew right now. And there was orchestrated attacks, one after another, boom, 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 to the day I was first removed from Facebook and Instagram, was the initial ban. And from there, it was Domino's effect. But Do you know people now get their post shut down if they share a photo of you with them? Yep. 
Well, of course you do. But yeah. <laughs> if you take a selfie with me and put it on Instagram, they'll believe it. They're trying to. Un- they'll warn you. They'll try. To I've un- seen the warnings. Yeah, they will. Yeah. They'll try to unperson me. They want me to disappear from public consciousness. And this is my exact point. I am the first person they've attempted to do this to, where they have genuinely failed. I'm more famous now than I was before the ban. They have failed. What happens is if you shoot somebody with your weapon and he doesn't die, you find a new weapon. This goal goes back to what I was saying earlier. I know what they're thinking. So this is, I wanted to talk about this because I don't know that cancel culture exists because, well, it doesn't for you and it doesn't for Joe Rogan. Because try and cancel someone and actually they just get more fucking famous. Well, Rogan wasn't canceled because he stayed on Spotify. He, did, he was never truly deleted. No. But cancel culture certainly does exist. It happens every single day to people who are just not as big as me. Every single day, people are being annihilated in real time. If you want to see cancel culture, I recommend you look at the last three years of this pandemic and ask about anybody mm. who stood up and said, this is bollocks. Ask them about their social media accounts. Because yeah. they ain't fucking got any. Small people get wiped out daily by the thousands. But can't they just keep talking and to be who? more famous? To who? Well, How? Your, your accounts have been shut down. You're bigger than ever. Completely, because I am an exceptionally difficult target. That's why I'm going to end up dead. Most people, when they lose their social medias and their banks, they're done. They can't talk. I can sit and I have a network of thousands of people around the world. I, I, like I said earlier, I have a very competent network inside of the war room. I'm massively influential. I can sit and talk on other people's podcasts. I can fly around the world to end up at the right place at the right time. I have them, all of the youth's energy behind me. If you're a normal person saying, they're making me take an injection I don't want to take, this is bullshit, and they delete your Facebook, mm. who the fuck are you going to talk to? Are you going to go stand on the corner and yell at passerbys? People have tried that too. Mm. That doesn't work. Once they silence you, you're done. Thousands of people are being silenced every day because what did I say earlier about the Matrix? They want to tell one side of the story and they have to delete the opposite side to create a false version of reality. That's how the Matrix works. So cancel culture is super real. You just don't hear about the people who are canceled. It's survivorship bias. This is the reason why you don't believe in cancelship. I'm not saying I didn't. I just wanted to throw it at you. It's survivorship bias. So I'll give you an example. In World War II, the planes that were coming back with bullet holes from the AA, the... RAF said we need to put more armor where the planes are getting hit most often. Where the most bullet holes are, we need more armor. Makes sense, right? And then some very smart person said no. The places that are getting hit so often and the planes still getting home are the places it's okay to get hit. The places where we never see a plane get hit and still make it home, where there's no bullet holes, is where we need the armor. Because every time a plane gets hit there, they never make it back. It's survivorship bias. So... So we don't, I, we don't know what we don't know. You, we don't see what we don't see. Correct. Yeah. We don't know about the people who are canceled because that's the point of cancellation. Yeah. We don't know how many thousands of people are being rejected from speaking and how many democratic voices are silenced in real time. That's the whole point of it. Mm. You know about me, but you don't know about the, the 10,000 already happened to by 8 p.m. today. Yeah. It happens every single day. And that's how they keep a control on the narrative. That's what's scary about it is that it's yeah. happening to everyone. Yeah. I'm just a unique individual because I have a very powerful network and I've managed to circumvent it. But most people don't have my resources and, indiv- and, and, and capability. And like I said, that's put me in a very precarious p- position. Do you think this raises the question that it's very important to be as decentralized as possible? Yeah, but why would the people in charge of the world allow that? If, if you're in charge of the world, your basic, your only concern, you don't care about food, you're not worried about a house. Like, what's your only concern? Staying in charge. You're in charge of the world. You have one concern in your life, staying in charge. Are you going to decentralize information and power? Are no. you going to allow that to happen? 
doesn't mean you can't create it for yourself as best you can. Well, I'm sure there's people out there who can try very hard and some people are doing it. I've moved to Rumble off of YouTube. I've moved to Rumble.com, which is a YouTube alternative, and he's an absolute hero. He's fighting for free speech and he doesn't censor me in any way. He's mm. a complete hero. Absolutely, and people are fighting and standing up. Mm. But I'm saying that you are fighting against a very powerful comp competition, mm. exceptionally powerful competition. And it's dangerous to do, and it's very difficult to do. It's hard. But yeah, I love the idea of a decentralized fair world. I love the idea of utopian scenario. I'd love to live in a utopia. Who wouldn't? I just don't think it's human nature. I think as long as humans exist, it's not going to be that way. And I actually think we're at the tipping point where it's going to get really out of control. Because once AI takes control, which is coming, then we're really fucked. Because the current limit on the tyranny they can enact on the populace is how far the police force can be brainwashed, right? If they tell, kill everyone who's got blonde hair, if the police force are brainwashed enough, they'll do it. But if they're not, then the elites can't enact that law because the police will say no. But once the police, once the policing is either robotic or AI, then you're fucked because there's no longer any human element. And that's where it's coming. And you don't have to think about Robocop. You have to think about AI as a whole. You have to think about your life being controlled to the point where your bank and your money and your social media and your passport number and everything is linked together to the point where the second you say something wrong on Facebook, there's a repercussion. So, so whether your passport can be used, whether your right. bank is open. So you mean central digital currencies are all linked C to this? CBDCs, yeah. exactly. Fucking scare me, they do. Yeah, they do. Fucking yeah, that's right. CBDCs is perfect. Once they have absolute control of the money and they can decide how and when and where you can spend it. And track it. And track yeah. it, then you're fucked. Yeah. You're fucked. So look what just happened to me. I said things they didn't like, and I suffered from travel bans. My money was taken. But, but with, right now we're doing it the slow, old-fashioned way, right? You have to do the media, you have to convince the world that this person's bad with the media, then you have to cancel them, then you have to keep using the media to lie about them, keep the narrative up, then you have to go and use terms and conditions to get the, you can't do that to everyone. But once it's all automated in AI, you can certainly do it to everyone. Once you, you like the wrong post, oh no. Oh, your bank doesn't work today. You go hungry today. You can eat tomorrow. You better not like that post again. You like food, don't you? You like to eat. That's, that's where we're getting. Anyone who sits here and thinks that's not going to come is a fucking dummy. That is the end result. Because the people in charge of the world want to stay in charge of the world. I don't blame them. I want to stay in charge of my empire. Like I said, these, I'm not saying these people are bad. Don't kill me yet, gentlemen. I'm talking to you. I'm not saying you're necessarily any worse than anyone else. I want to stay in charge of my empire and they want to stay in charge of theirs. Who the fuck wouldn't? I get it. I'm just telling you how they're going to do it. Hmm. That's absolutely not me. That's where it's coming. But you've, you have, if I understand rightly, us talking before off camera, moved towards some decentralization where you've taken control of your online payment systems Completely. and make your own bank. Completely. Can you talk about that a bit? Completely. Yeah, you have to decentralize. You have to try and control things the best you possibly can. So yeah, I've decentralized. The real world is an evolution of Hustle's University because we control absolutely everything from head to toe. That means that we cannot be censored or controlled or attacked in any way. But as much as you want to decentralize, the bottom line of reality and civilization remains the same. I've decentralized all of my, my, I'm even a decentralized brand, bro. I'm all over the internet, I don't have an account. Mm. Thousands of accounts. That's, that's powerful. That's right. Yeah. I've decentralized as much as a person can possibly decentralize, mm. but I still bleed. And that's the bottom line of reality. So I understand that no matter how much I decentralize, yeah. the bottom line is the same. But you're not gonna give up the fight just because you can't have a guaranteed win, are you? I can't give up the fight because my name's Tate. <laughs>
as pop. Was it a plan to get so many people on social media posting on your behalf? If I told the secret of how I hacked every single algorithm on the planet, it'd be worth trillions of dollars. But what I will say is that I sat with the war room, which is my network, which there's more information on corporatedate.com. I sat with extremely competent and capable people. We were very perspicacious. We analyzed the algorithms. I, I tell everyone exactly how I do it. I say this to people, you know what? And this goes back to my original point about how arrogant people are. I'm gonna sit here and tell people how I became the most Google man on the planet and nobody's gonna even fucking try or, or even pay attention because they're fucking arrogant. I pay attention to the algorithms. I analyze the algorithms, I analyze what worked and what didn't. I sat with my network. We've tried to find out a way we could hack it or exploit it. We made a six month plan and within six months, I became the most Googled man on the planet. That's what I did. That's it. I paid attention, went to my network, worked hard. Ta-da, <laughs> the end. That's all I did. And I'll say this to people go, yeah, mm, anyway, back to TV, dummies. Mm. That's how I did it. Yeah. There's nothing else. That, I mean, yeah, I can't tell you what I learned in my findings because that's worth trillions of dollars. I can't tell you what I found out. I can't tell you exactly how my network exploited what we found out. I'm not going to tell you that because that is literally worth trillions of dollars. And I'm still using parts of it, not all of it, because we've ramped down specifically and purposefully. We're now operating at about 15 to 20% effectiveness. If I wanted to be the only face on TikTok and the only face on Instagram Reels, on a platform I'm banned on, I could do it in a week. I could still do it. So why don't you do it? The time is coming, my friend. <laughs> Patience. You know, it's like you have a girlfriend. Sometimes you do it right. Sometimes you just want to go to sleep. Not tonight, baby. It has, if you do it all the time, it loses its magic. So the time is coming. Mm. But I can't tell people how I do it, but I will tell people that I paid attention and I worked with very competent people, people who were inside my organization. And we're the hardest working people on the planet. They're all like me. They're awake. They work. This is who we are. This is what we do. Well, wow, I told you that was absolutely crazy. But we're just getting started. That was part one of this four-part mini-series with Andrew Tate. Go listen to part two, which is the next episode with Andrew Tate. But before you go, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Everything.